0: Hold on. Is this the Lee Diffie on the other end of the line for the Week in IndyCar guest show? This can't be.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a poor imitation with a similar voice. Uh, well, mate, guess what? We are here at, uh, what, our two-week Christmas? Used to be the month of May. We still call it the month of May. It's eh, the second half of May. Practice underway. Indianapolis, 500, brother. 105th running. Who is fast on Tuesday? Crazy. DJ Willie P. Some fun storylines coming out of that first day. Thought it'd be perfect. Have you on as usual. We love having you here, mate. Talk about the 500. Great questions as usual from our listeners. Say a big thanks to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. What do you think? You want to just start ripping into questions?
1: Yeah, we can we can start ripping into questions but ju- just listening to you talk then Marshall just saying that the you know there were some great storylines I think that's applicable to this season thus far. I mean for for people like you and me, you write about it, I talk about it. I mean it's it's a it's a feeding frenzy for guys like you and I, right? It's the stories in this this year's championship just keep on rolling out and it's you know, for the fan base and for the sport, it's it's just, it's unreal. And uh, it's been so enjoyable. I mean, uh, you know, a, a regular, any IndyCar season is enjoyable. But for me, this has been heightened. A, because, you know, we're powering on still while the pandemic powers on. But we are we are powering through with, with Roger Penske as the steward and steward of the sport, the owner of the Speedway and the sport. And, and I think there's just so much positivity in, in what's happening on track and with new names and new winners and fresh faces and the veteran. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been fantastic. So to roll into the month of May like this is, um, it couldn't
0: be better. In my opinion, we even had a Kevin Magnuson sighting yesterday (laughs) at the speedway. I'm supposed to call Kev here when we're done just to check in and get some thoughts as to what he saw on his, uh, first visit to pit lane here. I mean, even top gun racing, biggest underdogs in the field. No laps at the Speedway, rookie driver, brand new car, everything. They have the craziest odds to get into the show. And yet on your theme of, isn't this a wild year that you can't even predict? I am rooting so heavily for Top Gun to make the show because I want to write that story, Lee. I know you, you're going to blow up the mic if they knock someone out and make it into the show. It's that kind of year. So Yeah, Indy 500. Let's get going with our pal, Jameen Tuttle, who's helping us with that theme. says, Lee, what storylines do you have as your must-follow for this year's race? And he says, do you go in with ideas or just pick up on those themes as they play out?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Um, We, as a group, you know, with our producers and, and, you know, we, we, like the rest of the world, we do regular Zooms, regular conference calls. Actually, we don't do conference calls. We do Zooms or team meetings. And um you know we we look at big picture uh, storylines, big picture themes, uh, stuff that we can bring to the table that may not have been done before, how can we improve on what we've done in the past, what we're currently doing, any great kind of behind the scenes kind of things and then you, you add all of that onto what we've been delivered already this year. And you know you you have your you have your historical, uh, storylines as well, like Elio going f- for four and you see him at the Speedway in non-Pensky colors on Pablo Montoya, you know, in non-Pensky colors going for his third, um, you know, Dixon, the frustration that he's had of being denied several times where he should easily be a multi-time 500 winner. And then you have, you know, you, you have the rookie stories. And so there's, so it's kind of like a melting pot of of, of, of all of the above, I guess you could say.
0: Throw in yesterday's P4 guy, Sage Karam, who visited us on our Day at Indie show. Right? I mean, based on trends the last couple of years, mate, hey, Sage Karam ended day one, 31st. Would not have been surprised. P4, again, it's the things where you go, let's just not even do predictions because <laughs> we're going to be erasing them or apologizing for them almost immediately. Uh, why don't we go to Corey Matthews? says everyone gets the quote indie feels when they drive through or walk through the tunnel maybe eating somewhere nearby asks what is your indie zen moment about indie feels
1: I'll tell you I'll tell you um what I've done the past 2 years and I will do it again this year um there's so much going on for us particularly on race day um you know, you have to. You have to be um, word efficient. You have to be precise. You have to, you know, take in the enormity of everything, and still, just we have to deliver in a sensible and entertaining way. And there's just so much going on for for, for the build up, and then you know we're on the big network, and it's one of the world's most famous sporting events, and so there's a lot of pressure on us to 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 deliver in a pro- proper and appropriate way and, and be entertaining for, for you guys. And so what I like to do is I, I like to, um, I don't go down, I don't go with Paul, I don't go with Townsend, I don't go with, with any of our team members, I go by myself and I go early in the morning and I go down to the yard of bricks and I kneel down and I touch the yard of bricks and I look back towards turn four and I look towards turn one Um, occasionally some yellow shirts, the, the, the volunteers who work and do such an amazing job at that, the speedway, they'll, you know, maybe one or two will wander over and and have a chat with me. And I just like that moment of, of quiet and clarity and I've done it the last two years and it's just a beautiful moment. Like I just, I love being down there and and I always get somebody to, to take my picture there as well on that day. And I just think about what lies ahead on the day and just think where I'm standing, you know, I think (laughs) bloody hell, the stuff that's going to transpire right here, um, will be incredible. And so I'm looking forward to doing that next Sunday morning for the third year in a row.
0: Similar little ritual. Obviously you haven't been able to do it the last couple of years, but, uh, I'm going to resume it as soon as I can. And that is walking in each morning to the, uh, the media center and even leaving at night, just taking a photo, of the pagoda and uh just a good morning from indianapolis motor speedway and then back in the day when i was uh you know working uh for indycar teams and participating in the indy 500 similar thing each morning usually you get there pretty early often before the sun is fully up just standing in the doorway of the garage and getting that sun coming up and just thinkingly, and i would say it's probably identical to yours with the yard of bricks, but just how fortunate are we? How lucky am I to be standing here in gasoline alley, watching the sun come up, knowing that I belong here. I'm supposed to be here. It just, again, you go a lot of other things could happen in life? I don't know if they're going to top this. And then that happens the next day in the next day. It's just an embarrassment of riches. So yeah, not a lot of complaining. I mean, we could complain, but it'd be really silly for us to try and do that. Um, my pal Oscar Love asks a very salient question: Lee, do you wear pants while doing remote broadcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Are you wearing pants now? We may as well get uh, that out too. Um, uh, um, um, who, who asked
1: this question, Marshall?
0: Oscar Love, our pal. Oscar, Oscar Love. I'm
1: sorry to let you down, mate. Yes, we do. Even PT wears trousers.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: So, however, however, once this is this is not indy car related, but it is Memorial Day related. Um, several years ago, when we were doing the Monaco Grand Prix, I want to say it was the Friday broadcast. Now nothing goes on for the F1 cars, as you know, on a Friday at Monaco. It's kind of that that uh, spare day, that free day. So, but we were still doing a broadcast back to the U S to be part of a motorsports special in the lead up to, uh, the Coke 600. And, and of course, um, uh, you know, indie happening, et cetera. And so it was so blisteringly hot this one day. So I did do shorts on the bottom and my suit and top my, 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 my jacket and tie on top <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and Ted Kravitz from Sky Sports, he do, he wanders around and does that Ted's notebook segment. And, he just thought it was hilarious that I was there in Monaco wearing shorts on the bottom and a suit on top. And so he did a little side shot of me in the studio, but, uh, yes, Oscar, we do. Sorry. Sorry. I wish I had something more entertaining to tell you, but we do wear pants. Yes.
0: But he goes commando. Sorry. Just had to throw it in there. <laughs> uh, let's see where we're going to go next. How about our pal Cody Oakwood? It says Lee, you do an awesome job. Week in, week out asks outside of IndyCar, which sport do you enjoy commenting on the most? And uh, what was your very first gig uh, as a lead play-by-play commentator?
1: Um, so outside of IndyCar, uh, what I enjoy doing the most, it's a real, that's a, that's a, Cody, that's a very difficult question to answer because if I say one thing in particular, then it, then it kind of diminishes everything else. But um, uh, I was, I was raised in a motorcycle environment. I raced uh, motorcycles, dirt bikes as, as, a kid. Um, so, um, and my oldest friend in life was a 500 CC Grand Prix star. Now, you know, what we now call MotoGP. He finished second in the world in a time when there were two Aussies, Mick Doohan finished first and Darrell Beattie, my mate finished second. And, uh, um, you know, I've, I've been friends with Mick for a long time now as well. Marshall, I introduced you to Mick Doing on the you Gold Coast. Did. We had a couple of beers with Mick. Amazing. Um, so, you know, MotoGP has been very near and dear to my heart for a long time, and I haven't commentated on it in a long time, but that was, for me, I found that exhilarating. Um, but, Cody, any, any, anything that is fast and entertaining, uh, I, I'm going to be calling the track and field at the Olympics in Tokyo this year. It's fast. I mean, to call, the, to call the 100 metres, men's or women's, to call 100 and, 110 hurdles, to call 200 metres, whatever, it's fast. At the winter games, I call bobsled, skeleton and luge. That's fast and exhilarating. And, you know, the events, you know, obviously the 100 metres is is in sub 10 seconds for men. It, when you commentate a luge race, it's, you know, just over 30 seconds, uh, 30, 40 seconds. You've got to you know, be really organized with your words and you've got to tell a story. You've got to talk about the athlete. You've got to talk about what's happening. You've got to share the mic with your teammate in the booth. Um, so anything that's fast, right? You know, I, I, for many years now with NBC Sports, they've been so wonderful to me to let me call all things racing. You know, uh, I do rugby on NBC, but rugby is the only non-racing thing that I do, whether it's track and field the sliding sports i did rowing in rio uh, and all the forms of motorsports so you know any any cody anything that's racing i love calling
0: coloring brought to you by lee diffie i tell you uh, crayons are flying throughout the room let's see where should we go next mate why don't we uh, jump into a little bit of uh this year's indie stuff and then we'll come back to uh, some other broadcasting sure. bits so sure. jordan darwin says Lee, what surprises do you think we might see this weekend in qualifying? Says if anyone crashes between now and then, how likely are they to be in jeopardy of not making the race? Marvin Blue the 3rd says, "Hey guys, it's little Marvin here. Lee, we got qualifying coming up Saturday. Question for you, who are the drivers you see maybe struggling to get in or at least on that bubble having to come back and try again next year?" So, yeah, we got we do have some drama coming. We know that.
1: That's the that's the that's going to be the I, I, I see it in I see it in, in two two columns right, um, the 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 one column is is uh, who's going to get the pole right It's 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 that's the exhilarating moment last year with Marco Andretti I mean it could not have been any better I mean it was so exciting it was so emotional so meaningful for the sport and for the Andretti family and for the history of the sport and the speedway. So that's one column. And then the other column is just the absolute gut wrenching, um, exhausting, emotionally exhausting tense, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it moments where you know that there there are going to be two teams that are going home. They're not, I mean, we saw it two years ago with Kyle Kaiser and home bouncing McLaren and Fernando Alonso out. I mean, that was just crazy. So, to your point earlier in this chat, Marshall, you know, is it feasibly possible? Is it feasible that we see a Top Gun racing bounce a, a regular team out? I mean, it's it's big odds, um, but it's not impossible. We'll see. Um, I, I I love I love that part of it. So I don't love that two teams go home, but it's part of the. It's an important part of the history of the sport is bumping, and and that's what you got to lay it excuse me you've got to lay it all on the line for 10 miles you've got to drive the best 10 miles you've driven and um so that's what i'm looking forward to right saturday is going to give us a story um about who you know who's looking good and who's going to be in that top nine to to fight it out on sunday for pole um but we're going to get a we're going to get a bit of a feeling for what we will see on sunday and who and who is going to get bumped um it's just such a it's such a nervy line to walk isn't it and and so that's why kind of got to take it in 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 two weekends that's what we look forward to this weekend and then obviously on on sunday the 30th is is uh, is obvious what we're looking forward to there so
0: yeah i um, know i was looking at just again it's day one so you can't read a ton into it but was uh displeased to see a not super smooth opening day for our friend steph wilson it right? uh, looked like the team was just a little bit out of sorts. We know Steph can wheel the car, right? The guy was leading the Indy 500 with five laps to go the last time he was there. That team looked a little bit out of sorts. As a group, looking on how opening day went, the uh, the Foyt team, four cars, they collectively were the slowest among teams if you put where all four of their cars were together. Sebastian Bourdais had a, a motor fail towards the end uh wasn't a a blow up it was something broke some oil looks like some oil was uh shooting out but they did an overnight engine change so will that set them back could a dalton could a who knows could uh they be in jeopardy of being one of those two we don't know obviously we don't want any of them to go home but this is not a everybody gets a trophy type deal you earn your way in just interestingly to think that maybe a couple that we didn't have on the list. Dalton Kellett, you gonna make it? I don't know. Uh some who we thought might not be easy outs or would be somewhat safe getting in, even towards the bottom of the 11 rows of three, even after day one now. We're like, okay, gotta expand that list a little bit. Uh let's see, where should we go next? How about uh Brian Smith says Lee, are you calling the race entirely off the monitors? Or are you peeking out the windows when they come by?
1: Um, I would say uh, it's a really good question. Actually, we have to we have to be very conscious. Was it Ryan or Brian?
0: Uh, this is Brian Smith.
1: Brian, Brian, um, thanks for your question, mate, um, and it's a good one. We have to be very conscious that we're not talking too much about stuff that you guys at home can't see. So I would say it is probably uh eighty twenty where we will and it's very periodic where I might stand up and have a look at uh, particularly if there's a close blend. Um, like if if we're looking for somebody who's exiting the pits and who is coming, because we're up on the ninth floor of the pagoda tower. So when we look out the window, we're literally right above the yard of bricks. And Our vantage point, and this is the reason why we're up there, is we can see all the way around into the short shoot between three and four, exiting four, all the way up the front stretch, and then into turn one. So if indeed we do need to look up or something's going on that that maybe our cameras are on something different and we would like to get our own perspective on that, we do have that wonderful ability to be able to do that. So... I don't know i'm guessing saying 80 20 it, it might the other boys might have a, a differing opinion on that but yeah we kind of pogo up and down off our chairs and look up and look around and get a feel for things and um that's that's the beauty about being at the racetrack in addition to speaking with the the team owners and drivers and engineers and and the fans it was great last weekend At the Grand Prix, just to be talking to fans in and around, you know, gasoline alley and and behind the stands. It was, it was awesome. It was so, and I'm looking forward to it this weekend and next it's stuff is starting to feel normal again.
0: He also asked Lee knowing that there are a number of cars that look somewhat similar. Do you have a spotter's guide that you use when you're calling things or you try to commit things to memory? And I know we listened to you could be townie, could be Paul, I mean, yeah, th- there's a number of vehicles that could easily be confused for one another. Do you give each other a little bit of rope to go, hey, there's seemingly 27 cars that are pink in the race or whatever? Yeah, we, we might yeah. not nail it every time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, earlier this morning, I was, I was, and this is something yeah. I do as part of my um, routine uh, I always watch and it, it's not just the Indy 500 it's every race of every sport that I work on I always go back and watch that event the year before and I do a log like I, I, I write down you know lap 6 lap 8 lap whatever and if something happens it's just as part of a, a good mental recall of what happened in that event the year before and I was just watching last year's 500 this morning and you know I misidentified uh, Palo and Jack Harvey just in a quick moment very early on in the race and I had to you know uh, amend that in the call so yeah particularly with those um you know like we'll have to we'll have to find a a, a spot of uh identifying the difference between elio castro neves and jack harvey because at a moment's not at a moment momentary glance you've got to be able to id that so we don't um there is a spotter guide that's put out that's really good but we try and commit it to memory um and then sometimes when you do commit it to memory like i made a mistake at texas this year I saw that green and white capstone car and just like my brain just went to a default position that that's Colton Herder. But of course Colton's in the Gamebridge colors this year. It was in the middle of all that big crash where Hinchcliffe was coming through. So, you know, I had to apologize for that and correct that. So we do we do commit it to memory um, and we, we do the best that we can. And there's also a rule of not, not correcting each other on air. So you never want to make your teammate look bad and we all make mistakes, we're human. Um, but if somebody, if one of us says something and it's wrong, then you can find a way of really gently and uh, politely maybe
0: um, steering that in the right direction. The uncle Bobby rule. Don't spend the entire broadcast saying Townsend, you ignorant, such and such. Yeah. Just (laughs) let it yeah. Otherwise, all right, where else are we going to go here? When this comes up, I think everybody just dreams of a delta force opening and I, i'm sure you've uh, been inundated with this over the years about the famous paul page delta force indy 500 opening david barker says a few weeks back he asked paul when he was on the show if you'd be willing to give us one last delta force opening before the indy 500 said he'd be willing Says lee what about your thoughts how do you how do we make this happen could he even join you in the booth for a small bit just to pull that off I tell you, this uh, retro, and we got to work in Connor Daly somehow, since we're kind of going a retro '80s here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, I grew up listening to Paul's commentary, and 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 love the guy, and love his style, and love everything, and what he means to the sport. Um, and he and I, you know, I feel really privileged to have gotten to know him a little bit since you know over here and. Um, he sent me some lovely messages of encouragement before my first 500. And so, um, that would be, that would be a lovely touch. I don't, I don't know. I don't make the decisions, uh, for the network. That'd be up to my bosses. So I, um, I have to give you I I don't know answer.
0: How about you just hum it really low, uh, at some <laughs> point in time. And that'll be the little signal that you were, everyone's in on, in on the deal. Uh, let's see our pal, Ryan Terpstra, as we start to wind down a little bit says, Interesting perspective from having PT last year out in turn two. Curious if you know if he'll be back out again this year once he joins the broadcast.
1: Um, I don't think so. I think I think we're I think we're coming back to traditional. It was just to um, try something different. Um, the the other thing too is the reason that we were afforded that opportunity. If you remember, which how can we forget? There was nobody there. There was nobody at the yeah. Speedway. That was and that Paul was in the Indianapolis Colts suite. So that thing will be I don't know if I can say full, but there'll certainly be people in there. All of those turn two suites will have people in there this year. So um, we took advantage of it while we could. That was kind of that unique perspective there and Paul had a blast out there, but um uh, I think it'll be yeah everything that I know to this point we're going to be back to normal. Paul or bit Paul will be in the booth. Um, I tell you something. Speaking of you know being in the booth, uh, something that has changed our world and we've had to adapt. And I guess one day we will go back to being how how it used to be. We we used to commentate off one very long table, and we would have several monitors of yep. several bank banks of monitors of either program, which is what you guys see at home, and our timing and scoring. Um, the Telestrator for when Townsend wants to do circles and lines and do, do all kinds of stuff. We have ISO monitors that we can see stuff if our producers are setting up a replay or something without interrupting what you see at home. You know, we have all these kinds of things and it was in one centralized block and we used to sit literally shoulder to shoulder. So if I wanted to tap Townsend on the leg to get his attention, I could, or if he wanted to to, you know, tap Paul on the shoulder, it was good. But in COVID times, we're now massively separated. We're in like little pods of our own up in the booth, and and so um, that's been very interesting over the last more more. Well, actually, not quite a year, almost a full year now that we've been operating like that. So um, it's a little bit different, um, but still, uh, we we've we've worked out ways. Actually, Townsend has this massive. Um, uh, it's not a it's not a pole, but it's uh, it's not a metal pole. But he has this big, it's like a it's like a lightsaber. And when he wants to get Paul's attention, he pokes him with
0: it. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's a photo we need to see from the booth, <laughs> Diff. Come on, we got to see that uh, Townie's lightsaber. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, uh, let's see another little bit of. We got two more fun PT related things. Uh, James P. asks. Uh well how how shall we uh, present this question? How's the coaching going behind the scenes on Paul Tracy from Canada where there's a fair amount of people who speak French? Um, how's the coaching going behind the scenes diff on coaching up our man PT to pronounce I don't know what do we want to call him Romaine Gross jeans um, that French guy? Uh, how you doing there?
1: Um well I'm failing aren't I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not like it's your job but again on the on the theme of trying to lift everybody so you know uh, everybody could do things okay or do you just go the opposite direction uh even if he starts getting close coach him the opposite just for the sake of fun get him as far away as possible from the correct pronunciation I don't uh, know.
1: he's he's try he's trying. I think he I think I think he might just slip back into some all bad habits. We've, we've, we've spoken about it and, and, uh, and he's trying, I'm sure, I'm sure at the next race, uh, what will we, what, what do we got after any Detroit? I'm sure by Detro- at Detroit, he'll, he'll have it down.
0: He just Mark needs my words, a good nickname. That's a, right. He doesn't call willpower willpower. Most of the time he calls him What is it? Slick Willie P or whatever. He just needs a good nickname for Roma. He can use that. And just forget the pronunciation thing, right? Problem solved. Rogro, uh, didn't they call see... him that an
1: F one? Rogro,
0: I think so. Although that right. sounds like a, some sort of hair product for men. Um, final kind of PT related, but we're bringing you into this, Brett Ross. So, so in the last couple IndyCar broadcasts, we got to hear the smooth voice of Paul Tracy <laughs> singing some lyrics to songs. Any chance we can get you two to sing a duet? Uh, and what song would you 100% pick 100% no
1: 100% no Come on um, Diff When I was a kid I used to try and sing and my mum used to tell me to shut up cuz I was tone deaf <laughs> So but Paul does Paul has an amazing voice and so we've been having a little bit of a f- bit of fun with it when we come out of the break as you guys know I have to read certain promos for the network and one of them is for America's Got Talent I was just telling my wife and two sons about this last night we were all having a good old laugh and um, I'm the only non-musical person in my family. My wife was classically trained. My kids play the saxophone, guitar, drums. So I'm, I'm, I don't have a musical bone in my body other than listening, to, love, love listening to it. And my wife was just saying last night, what a great voice Paul has. He can actually hold a tune. And he sings to Townsend and I all the bloody time. Typically, it's kind of soppy 80, 80s love songs and kind of things like that. But it gets him up it gets him in a good mood you know and so when i was reading this america's got talent promo we teed it up in the commercial break and so i said to towns and you you pick it up from me you run with it and then we'll set set paul up and so he did that two weeks ago at the texas race uh or three weeks ago at the texas race and then and then last week at the grand prix i had to do that same promo again so there was there was uh there was rain coming, so Paul sang, started singing "Blame It on the Rain," and I think he enjoys it. I think he enjoys his having his uh, his singing getting known publicly. So, but as for to answer the question for a duet with me, I can promise you no. You'd probably have better luck with Townsend. Townsend's actually got quite a good singing voice too. He likes singing country music, so. Um, I don't know where, where he and Paul meet in the middle on, on what the uh, on what the song or the track might be, but that that's where you that's where your better chance is rather than myself and Paul.
0: The guy from San Francisco singing country. Man, y'all are y'all <laughs> he are. loves country. Oh, he loves it. Oh boy. All right, let's go to the last couple here, and this just speaks to the diversity of what you do. Pal Jerry Roberts Suddith says, Lee, hearing your rugby broadcasts on NBCSN, Made me more interested in the sport. Asks what tips can you give a new fan to the sport of rugby?
1: Good, I'm pleased. Well done. Uh, was it Jerry?
0: Uh, Jerry, yep, Jerry Slidath.
1: Jerry, good, Jerry. I'm really pleased to hear that, mate. Rugby's an awesome sport. Um, we have a lot of it on NBC Sports now, um, and it's once you get once you get your head around the rules. Um, it rather than being stop, start like NFL, it's more of a continuous game. Um, and you know, there are a lot of nuances to it. There's a lot of stuff that you're like, what in the world is going on? Uh, as a new viewer, I can imagine you asking those kind of questions, but if you stick with it, um, keep watching it. And, um, uh, it's just such a, it's such a flowing game when they go into multi-phase possession and uh, it's, it's awesome. Um, and the guys are just so brutally strong. You know, um, the, the, the way they hit is different. The way they tackle is different. Um, but, you know, the NFL teams are utilizing a lot more rugby techniques um, to try and tackle more safely in the NFL, you know, rap tackles. Um, so the, there's more and more rugby infiltrating into the NFL. In fact, when you go way back, um uh you know like a century ago um rugby when when rugby was huge in the in the collegiate system here which it still is but way back then they were messing around at a college training day and and obviously you're not allowed to pass forward in rugby but they were just horsing around and that was the early beginnings of NFL of American football American football morphed from the sport of rugby
0: and we get lessons to wind down the show. I'm going to pick one more here, Lee. Why don't we go? All right. Another broadcast one, but a, a fun one. Nonetheless, Brett Ross closes the episode. It says Lee, not only how excited are you for this Indy 500 broadcast and NBC says, what about having Jimmy Johnson as part of the team? So he knows, he's not going to be in the booth, but obviously you all should be sitting in on a lot of production meetings. So you get to call set Mr. seven time competing, on Road and Street Courses, and now he gets to come into your world a little bit. Tell us about that.
1: Well, I think it's just the it's a continuation of the post-NASCAR career of, of one of the nicest guys you could ever meet and one of the best that NASCAR's ever seen. I think we're extremely fortunate and at NBC to, to have Jimmy on the team. I, um, I think what he is doing this year is remarkable outside of, you know, being, being with us. That's a bonus. That's just an added bonus to have his, his new view. I think we should say his new view on the sport of IndyCar racing after what he's experienced so far this year. I think there's been a lot of people who have been naysayers about his performance thus far, but you, you know, you, you <coughs> excuse me, where do we start <coughs>
0: You're getting choked up. I mean, I know it brings tears to you, Lee, when, when you think about Jimmy and his transition to IndyCar. But now, to your point, though, of course, if we're talking a midfielder in NASCAR coming over to IndyCar, I think folks would have much lower expectations. For someone with his credentials, though, even though it's stepping into the form of racing he knows the least about, and has the least experience in, there's still that heightened expectation that, oh, well, Jimmy Johnson. Therefore, we should have magical results right away. Uh, we still have, we're going to have to keep reminding ourselves and listeners, watchers, and readers that, look, 2022, that's the year where we should really start holding uh, higher expectations for Jimmy because he's got it all to learn this year.
1: Well, Marshall, just, just look at last weekend at the Grand Prix. Uh, and at what Juan Pablo Montoya did. You know, a guy who won seven Formula One Grand Prix, won the Monaco Grand Prix, you know, um, won, won road course races in NASCAR, uh, was at the front regularly in NASCAR, and I think if circumstances would have been different, he would have won many races on ovals in NASCAR. Two-time Indy 500 champion, and he struggled last weekend, right? And he and, and openly admitted that he struggled. Um, look at look at when James Hinchcliffe came back into the series uh, late last year, he, he he took a while to get up to speed as well. I mean, people are just thinking that Jimmy's going to jump in an Indy car and be at the front of the field. I mean, you know, it's it's just that's not going to happen just yet. And he is he is with every time he gets in that car, it might not look spectacular, but he is improving um, each and every time. He he's getting closer to the to to the mid-pack times and by the way when we say mid-pack times you know it's it's now these days it's not uncommon to have the top 20. you know usually there's only 24 25 cars in an IndyCar car race it's not unusual to have the top 19 or 20 blanketed by one second so a tenth here or two tenths here or there mean a lot so and jimmy's getting closer to that to that mark each and every time so it's a lot to take in like it's just a totally different world right totally different world it's like you know it's almost like saying taking a supercross rider and putting him on a moto gp bike you know and saying well you you won in supercross why can't you win in moto gp you know it's um it's just such a different world so i have nothing but admiration for him uh and then uh, paul and townsend paul's been um incredibly closely involved with with jimmy even like way back when it was in the planning stages so um, I'm looking forward to having him on the team. Sorry, taking a long, long time to answer the question. Looking really forward to having him on the team, getting his new perspective. And um, look, you know, we are so fortunate to, to be able to say that we have teammates like um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Steve Letard and Jeff Burton and Danica Patrick. And, um, you know, and now we can say Jimmy Johnson's part of the team. So it's it's awesome. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it.
0: You know, the the thing we got to, finish up here though on uh yeah done well in nascar obviously well-known famous famous race car driver rookie broadcaster is uh is he bringing you you guys donuts coffee in the morning uh what kind of rookie ha- <laughs> right I, <yeah>. cool. fantastic <laughs> love to hear about your trophy room jimmy johnson you're on my turf now pal so uh any uh, kind of rookie hazing uh, plan for that guy
1: I, I hadn't even thought about it, but thanks for putting it in my head. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could do that to him. He's just, he's so nice, right? He's just, he's, he's, Townsend so nice. Well, We know that. Townsend, Townsend might. Yeah. Yeah. Townsend might. But, um, yeah. No, I, I, I don't, I don't know. We, we, uh, we have a lot of fun on our team. So I think Jimmy will see that. And, um, you know, he's going to be around Mike Tariko. It's going to be terrific to have Mike back again he's going to be around Mike and Danica. And, and so, uh, Mike loves to have a laugh. So he'll, he'll, he'll be in good hands.
0: Mate, always, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Greatly appreciate you and all you do to help support the nonsense that I uh, put together and just a lot of fun <laughs> listening to you. You guys have just been on a tear this year in the booth, seriously, so much fun, great insights, just been a pleasure to tune in. So can't wait for more of that to come here let's get going brother uh we got some yeah. more practice to uh to watch so thanks to everybody for sending in your questions thanks once again to cooper tires the justice brothers Toronto Motorsports.com. we'll speak to you next week